Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all. Good to see you folks online. Good to be here. <coughs> Excuse me. So, someone asked Master Yun Men, what is Chan? The master replied, that's it. The questioner went on, what is the Tao? The master said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that may seem a little uh, enigmatic, um, but I wonder, the first time you heard this, whether you read it on your bulletin or heard me read it just now, if you might have had some initial reaction before your mind kicked in. And I think you did. <laughs> um, before your mind kicked in and said, well, what is this? What does this mean? What is this about? What is Chan? That's it. What is the Tao? Okay. Um, yeah, so you, you might have, you might have that original quick reaction. Um, it's hard to see that reaction because the brain uh, jumps in so fast, I think. It wants to obscure that initial reaction um, that uh, we have. But if we pay attention, um, even if we uh, don't know what Chan is, or we don't know what uh, the Tao is, or we don't know what a koan is, which is what this is. It's a little teaching story. Uh, we may see something, and perhaps something very positive here. There seems something very, yeah, very wonderful here, uh, and challenging um, also. Um, Someone asked Master Yun Men, what is Chan? The master replied, that's it. The questioner went on, what is the Tao? The master said, okay. It's kind of like I go to a great teacher and I say, I've been practicing Zen a long time and I have all these questions and I have all these problems and there's form and emptiness and they're the same or they're different or they're neither the same nor different, and I, I just I can't figure it out. Uh, and uh, the master says, great, no problem. <laughs> and kind of, you know, rejects the premise of the question. And instead, um, there's this kind of affirmation. And maybe I'm kind of corrected, you know, like you're kind of off on the wrong track here. We need you to go somewhere else. or or settle down. It's okay, Ted. It's okay. I know you're agitated, but it's okay. Or maybe just, you know, wake up. Here we are. Here we are. You're in your head. Come on. It's just this. It's just right here. It's just right here. Um, and that initial reaction points to the heart of the koan, I think. Um, so, um, 
But we do think about it. The thinking mind jumps in and we'll be in that realm of the thinking mind for a little while here. I'm going to talk about it, going to give some explanation, but we'll circle back uh, to the heart of it again. So this uh, little story um, I found in a book called The Roaring Stream, a new Zen reader, which is about many teachers in China and Japan through the ages. Uh, Yunmen lived from 864 to 949. So he died about over a thousand years ago. Old story, old story. And just a little background on him, the editors say, many consider Yunmen Wenyan the last great genius of Chan. Chan being uh, what we now call Zen, in China, uh, it was called Chan. And uh, Chan had had this uh, golden age in China. And this was kind of at the end of that golden age. And people were tending to uh, slip into a retrospective mood. And they were just kind of collecting accomplishments of the past. And Yunmen did look to the past like they did. But when he took them up, he always gave them a new twist. So he really enlivened uh, Chan. He was known for his really strict teaching and uh, training. Uh, he was known for the severity of his own teaching style, which uh, that's fine if you want that kind of teacher. It doesn't really describe my teaching. Um, he had the hammer and tongs to pull out nails and wrench out pegs, the means, in other words, to cause the collapse of old mental structures. Hammer and tongs became the byword for effective Chan teaching, as opposed to the coddling of grandmotherly kindness. <laughs> we certainly don't want any coddling of grandmotherly kindness around here, do we? But yeah, he was, he was very original. Uh, he left a lot of teachings. Uh, he appears more than anyone else in the three great koan collections, the Blue Cliff Record, the Book of Equanimity, and the Gateless Barrier. And um, so these four lines I found um, uh, after the explanation. There's no explanation of these four lines. There's no commentary or anything. And I haven't read any other commentaries on it. Um, but so I'm just kind of giving you uh, my own reactions. So someone asked Master Yun Men, it begins. So apparently a student asking a question of the teacher, which happens very often in these koan collections. Often the student gets bested by the teacher or maybe not bested, but kind of shaken out of kind of a narrow view that they might have. Usually too much in their head and not enough here. And these are many, many ways to bring us back to here uh, in these, uh, in these uh, stories. What is Chan? So Chan literally means the meditation school. And this was the practice uh, that uh, was brought by uh, Bodhidharma from India to China. And in China, they called it Chan. And it went to Japan later. And there it was known as Zen. So what is Chan? What is Zen? Basically asking 
what is this? What are we doing here? What's going on? Um, what, uh, what's this all about? And I think we can surmise it's not just an idle question, but it's probably a very deep question going to form and emptiness, life and death. What should we be doing here? What is a good use of a human life? Which is a question we all have, I think. But the important thing, I think, about this question, what is Chan, is that the teacher, I think, surmises that he's coming from an intellectual place. He's in his head. He wants an answer to this question. And the teacher knows that what we're doing here, what Chan is, is more immediate than that. And so he says, that's it. He's not going to play that game of giving him an answer because that's not going to help him. That's just going to keep him in that place of trying to figure things out with words and get an explanation and get it arranged in his logical mind. He's trying to help him by just erasing all of that. So he says, that's it. That's it. Zen is the immediacy of the situation without explanation. That's what it is right now. And it's just this, sorry, it's just this. It's just this right now, sitting here listening to a talk, maybe, maybe being slightly bored. Uh, so this is all you get. This is all you get. <laughs> but the good news is, you know, you get all of this. You get all of this if you can just see it, you know, wake up to it, be present with it, as we all are sometimes, really present in this vivid life. This is it, all of it all of it together, all at once. This is what we get. So maybe the teacher is saying here, uh, your very act of questioning is what is going on right now. That's Zen. It's not the answer that is Zen. It's the question. It's being open. It's saying, what is it? What is it now? What is it that's coming toward me? That is the Zen experience, moment after moment after moment of that. What is this now? Receiving it. Figuring it out is extra. So it's not the answer, it's the question. So don't try to go deeper. Accept that this is it whatever this is right now, right now. You know, the beauty of this moment, maybe it's your pain. Maybe it's the pain of this moment, but it's just this, this, this. So perhaps he's saying the question is the whole deal. That's it. Your question is the whole deal. Life is one continuous question. And it's that openness moment after moment, what is this, what is this, that can really light you up. So what is Chan? That's it. The teacher has now done his job. The student should be uh, enlightened, uh, but the student comes back. The student asks, 
what is the Tao? <clears throat> and the Tao is Chinese for the way. That term Tao appears in all Chinese uh, religions. Taoism, of course, uh, as uh, many of us know, is a separate religion in China. Uh, Tim has talked a lot about Taoism in the past uh, few months. Um, but I don't think here we're talking about Taoism and Zen and their interaction. I don't think we need to go there at all. I think Tao is just kind of a translation of the way that uh, Chinese people would have been familiar with. So I think the student is really asking, what is the way? What is the process? What are we doing here? Really kind of the same question again. And the answer is, okay. So again, he's rejecting the premise, <clears throat> rejecting the intellectual in favor of affirming uh, the immediacy of the moment. So, okay, you know, what does that mean? Well, it's not a real literal translation, obviously, because okay wasn't, wasn't even a word back then. It can have many uh, meanings, but I'm trusting that the translator thought that it was really the best word here. And okay can mean, it, okay can kind of bring us back to the moment. It's like I'm saying, um, you know, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking, and I say, uh, okay, and then I go on to say something else. Like, okay, despite all that, here's the thing. We're back in the moment, right? Here we are now. Or maybe he's saying like, okay, Okay, that's enough. Stop. <laughs> but I think the best, the one I like, okay, as in, okay, like everything's all right. We can just drop it. Unknit your brow, my dear student. Everything is okay. You came in agitated, you don't need to be. And so those are turning words that might bring the student to a new place. And it's, it's sort of like, again, like say I go to a teacher and I say, I've got all these problems right now. I've got these family difficulties. Work isn't going that well. My practice isn't going that well. I'm just feeling really discouraged. And what, I'm going, what am I going to do about all of that, all of this stuff going on? And the teacher says, yeah, isn't it great? Now, that's not denial. That's not the teacher saying, oh, really, everything, those problems don't exist, because they really do. Um, and it's not like, oh, you know, oh, don't worry, be happy, forget about that stuff, everything's fine. It's not denial, but I think it's saying great, as in, well, yeah, that's life, isn't it? That's what we do, right? Life is this kind of continual struggle. That's what we do. It's okay. We can do it one thing at a time. We keep forgetting that, that life is this continual struggle and we can do one thing at a time. And, and, and it keeps piling up on us. But we can come back to that. Yeah, it's this thing now. It's this thing now. I've got this array of things. I've got this list of problems, but you know, I don't have to see that whole list all at once. I need to do something now. I'm going to do one of those things, and I can be busy with that thing. 
where it's like maybe you you go to your father and you have this litany of problems and you tell your father all of these things and your father says i love you and he's never said it before cuts to the heart of it and everything else drops away everything is swept away so that's what this little story does i think it sweeps everything away so what does this have to do with our zen practice right now which is a question i usually ask in my in my talks and i think well the student here is kind of uh stuck in the world of forms you know when he comes to the teacher uh the world of what is this what is that what do i do uh small mind it's reactive uh he's driven by desire desire to make things better things don't seem to be working and the teacher is coming from a place uh, which he reminds the student of a place of emptiness interconnection uh, not an intellectual approach not grasping but receiving 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 not defending not reaching out but receiving uh, the immediacy and the wonder of the present moment an awareness of all things being here now that's big one big mind and so the teacher helps with this uh, shift of uh, perspective. And we've all probably seen this shift of perspective in big or small ways. Um, at times, we're so in our head that we're not even aware of our surroundings. I'm sure it's happened to all of us. Um, we, we walk to Zen Center and we're so in our head, we don't notice what a beautiful day it is. Um, Maybe sometimes we're on a retreat and our mind really quiets and we really see how beautiful things are. We're really there in the, in the vividness. Um, but the hard part is how do we not see this as two different ways of being? Because it can seem like, yeah, I got to that place of quiet and then it wore off and then it's the same old thing again. You know? So it feels like it's two different things. There's sort of the realm of everyday worry and there's this realm of quiet and gee, I want to leave the one and go to the other one. But how, how do we get them to be the same thing? How do we incorporate the two? And I think that's at the heart of the question, which uh, we often hear, which is how do I incorporate my Zen practice uh, into my daily life? And I've felt this acutely lately, actually. I have felt a bit of uh, separation between that joyful sense of, uh, of uh, not knowing and that sort of worried sense of, uh, I have all of these things I need to do. Uh, you know, the suffering, what I read in the newspapers, family responsibilities, the work I need to do. The emails, the meetings, the 10,000 things, that's what we call them in Zen, the 10,000 things uh, coming in. Um, and one reason that's been acute uh, for me is um, I, was, I was a little bit uh, sick uh, lately. Uh, as many of you know, I, uh, I contracted COVID, that was five weeks ago. Um, 
I didn't really want to talk about it, but it just seemed like I couldn't go to the heart of what's going on right now without mentioning it. Um, it, uh, it wasn't so bad. I never felt like I was really in danger, uh, but um, I had a lot of, uh, a lot of fatigue. Uh, and by the way, it seems like a really surprising number of people that I know um, uh, have COVID right now or have recently had it. Uh, people in my family, people here at Zen Center. So we're not out of the woods yet. And I, I, I do hope everyone is, is quite uh, careful. Um, so uh, there, was, there was some uh, fatigue there. And during this time of fatigue, like I wasn't able to do my normal stuff. Couldn't really do my Zen Center work uh, for a while. It's sort of like I was physically capable of doing it. I was physically capable of going to my computer and calling up emails and answering a couple of them. But I just I didn't want to go there. You know, I just I don't want to do that right now. Kind of a crisis of motivation. And this was troubling, you know? It's like, wow, like I have a lack of energy in a really deep place here. So that was weird. And then, I mean, I could still, I could get up and I could go into my backyard and I could look at uh, the plants emerging in this beautiful spring. And I could see them and everything else could fall away. I've been practicing a long time and it's, it's, I can, I can always go out into the backyard and I can always just let things be and have those moments of great, uh, uh, great, uh, quiet. Um, but then, um, I was kind of in this unfamiliar territory of being able to do that, but then thinking of sort of the tasks of my life as this very big, difficult thing over there, very separate. So there's this, there's this gap and it's kind of, um, so I would ask, I was asking myself consciously, kind of holding this like a koan, how do I incorporate the 10,000 things with big mind? How do I close that gap and let them be the same thing again. And so, cause I don't want, I don't want to be like half the time a blissful monk and the other half time a worried, a worried monk. So and it's good to be open to reinvention, right? And sometimes a crisis, bigger little crisis can, can make us do that. It's good to be open to reinvention because we get these patterns and the things that worked well a week ago may not work so well today. We tend to hang on to the old patterns because they worked. It's scary to find new patterns. And that time of transition when you don't know what the new pattern is going to be yet, that's pretty uncomfortable and a little scary. But opening up, not clinging, I think is a pretty healthy, healthy thing. Um, so yeah, so I thought about it. I thought about it. Um, so you welcome you welcome it in. You welcome in big mind is kind of the, the solution. Um, and you need to. Uh, I have this little quote from uh, Jakusho Bill Kwong. Zazen practice is a simple and direct thing. When you give attention to the small mind, it grows and grows and grows. When you give attention to big mind, 
you cultivate big mind. Our origin is big mind. So it has the spirit of giving you the inspiration you need. Big mind is the only thing you can rely on. So let big mind into the 10,000 things. And I'm not saying this has to be dramatic. It may come in glimpses, but we can do it. And it's so hard to talk about, it's so subtle. I'm gonna to try to talk about sort of my Wednesday morning uh, in an effort to try to, um, try to convey this. Um, so yeah, this question had been on my mind and Wednesday I was here for the sitting. I was, uh, I was uh, the doshi leading the service um, Wednesday morning. So uh, I got up at four o'clock and uh, I did my rounds, which is going around bowing at the various altars at 5.45 and sat uh, for 30 minutes. And then we went outside for outdoor kinyin. Uh, there were, uh, I think, four of us. And um, it was such a vivid experience. And I really wish more people would come and do this. You really should come early in the morning, at least once, and see what this is like. Because, you know, having gotten up that early, driven here, mindfully done the sitting, you go outside. It was a damp morning, and the world was so vivid so very vivid each and every plant out there in the early early morning this is at 6 20 we do the outdoor uh, kinyan and it was easy that morning to just you know let things in to let big mind in to see things in both their individuality and their collectiveness and just let them be and um, so I was walking and I came to this big tree back here, this uh, three-trunked oak tree that we have here, and was just, you know, really noticing the bark on it, not really noticing it, the bark was just there, uh, just in, in, in all of its sort of vividness, also being aware of the tree as a whole and uh, the, the background and everything, and so I, ask myself this question which i have been holding how do you bring big mind to the ten thousand things and kind of yeah something happened there it's like something kind of came to me which is they're just here they're just here the ten thousand things are just here it's just like the bark on the tree it's not like they're over there somewhere, like I have this big list of things to do and that's a problem, they're right here. It's the thing now. The next email, it's just like the bark on the tree, it's just like the next uh, plant. They're just here. So, you know, I'm trying to use words to talk about something that, you know, doesn't work very well for words, but, um, but, you know, this is what I do. This is what I do with my life. I do one thing after another. And I'll do this next thing. And it's not about sort of this big complex list of problems. It's this thing now, you know. So make that next email, that's like making toast, you know. You just get up, you make the toast. 
this email, this person, this situation, it's just there. So it's okay, and it can't help but be okay. So it's like this time I went to my teacher, the tree, and the tree said, okay, everything is okay. Uh, each and every little thing has the wholeness and beauty of life in it. And I'm not saying that everything is okay, so we don't have to do uh, anything, that we, you know, everything's fine, so no problem. No, there are many, many problems out there. But I'm saying each moment of our response to these problems is okay. Each moment of complete, immediate response to the cries of the world is okay. We can let go of before and after, and we can just do the next thing. Someone asked Yun Men, what is Chan? The master replied, that's it. The questioner went on, what is the Tao? The master said, okay. There's something profoundly optimistic here going to the heart of being. It's about limitation and opportunity. It's about this now. And bringing these things together, it's hard, but it's not so hard. I think the hardest part is the initial uh, commitment, the initial um, attempt to do it. Uh, maybe you're sick and you know you could go in the backyard and you know you could see those things, but you just don't want to get up. You know, It's that initial making yourself get up. It's making yourself come to Zen Center after you've been away for four months. It's getting yourself to the cushion after you've been off the cushion for six months. It's doing that initial thing that we want to put off. You need to rouse yourself. You rouse yourself and then you just meditate and you see this uh, beautiful world and it's not so hard. And there's another story here, uh, two paragraphs later, uh, which is very similar, and it's just two lines. Someone asked Master Yun Men, what is Chan? The master said, is it all right to get rid of this word? Which I think is a really good reminder that, again, this is not about the explanation, uh, though I've explained a lot here. It's about going back to the immediate. Let's just get rid of this word. John, let's just get rid of this discussion. Let's get rid of this talk. Everything, everything. What is it? That's it. What is it? Okay. So that's what we do. You know, you got to rouse yourself. Sometimes you really got to give yourself a, a, a kick, you know, a gentle nonviolent kick. But you really got to find a way to give yourself a kick. And and then you're started. And then you uh, do the work that quiets the mind. You do the sitting. You do the things you don't want to do. Thinking about, well, um, 
We'll see what happens down the road. And then you just, you just let it be okay. You let it be okay. And the 10,000 things and uh, the other thing, there's no gap there. Can't even remember what that other thing is right now. There's no gap there. It's all together. So uh, that's what I have to say. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And now, if anyone would like to comment or ask a question, I'd be happy to hear from you. Anyone online here or anyone in the room? Yes. I just want to thank you for the word roused because it aroused many things when you said that. And it's like being with a child that when I'm in a mind where I'm focusing on irritation or something like that and they'll say why is the why are the leaves green and it'll arouse something in me you know uh, and take me out of that other activation and irritation and be activated to see the leaf and and then ask them why do they think so because their answer is always way better than mine <laughs> but um anyway just thank you for the word i'll, I'll hold that today yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for the, the comment. i um, been spending a lot of time uh, with my grandson who is uh, 15 months old. And yeah, children have just, they could so easily bring you back, back to the moment. Uh, it's really, it's really a lovely thing. And uh, they kind of rouse you too, because you have to take care of them. <laughs> you know, you have no choice there. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I like the word okay. I, I feel like that's a good touch point because I, I use it with myself often. And often, you know, you're, you're trying to figure something out, your mind is just going all different directions, and you just have to say, okay. And you just bring yourself back and you focus on what you need to focus on. And it's good to remind myself that okay cannot just be let's focus on what's what's the problem at hand, but let's also just let go. So I think I will, I will sort of try to remember that and use that as a touch point for for letting go of the small. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. That's great. It's a funny word, isn't it? It's got it's so deep. It it's what does it even mean? Okay, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the origin of it is. It's such a weird, but yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Thanks, Katie. Yes, Bernie. I find it interesting that that word has sort of propagated even to cultures. I noticed Japanese people who visited Japan using it. Mm -hmm. It's such an odd word, but it has a seemingly universal meaning. Yeah, yeah, kind of like spaha, one of these words that uh, has, can have many meanings. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I, I love the phrase that you said, 
um, this is all you get, but you get all of this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that obviously stuck in my head. Um, uh, I, I think that that's, that's um, uh, an exposition on the word okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. Thank you, Kent. Oh, just just one second, um, uh, Nan Shen. First, uh, uh, someone in the Zendo, then you. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you had mentioned when you're getting COVID, you get fatigue, and mm -hmm. I had the same thing. When I got it a month ago. And everything. Is there any connection between the big mind and the body? Um, well, yes, yes. Is there a connection between the big mind and, and the body? Um, certainly, because, you know, big, big mind is about the interconnection of uh, everything. And uh, by mind and body um, are, in that sense, inseparable. In, in our practice, you know, we call this an embodied practice because Paying attention to the body is the best way to kind of let go of the obsessions of the mind. Yeah. Thank you. Nan Chen, hi. Hi. Good to see you, Ted. Thanks for your talk. And uh, I'm happy to see that you're recovered or recovering from COVID. Um, I think that one of the things that really spoke to me this morning in your talk is the reminder that big mind and small mind are just different ways of looking at the same thing, that we don't inhabit two worlds, uh, or in our practice, we're not compartmentalizing Zazen as this and the rest of our life is something else. So where I think we are taught that we live in, or we experience or touch this idea of emptiness is in Zazen. And I like the language of Uchama Kosho Roshi where we're living in Zazen. So when we, um, to, to use your expression, where there's no gap is when we're living with that Zazen mind. So thank you for that reminder. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this gap, this gap is something we perceive. But yes, living in Zazen with no gap. So it's all here. Okay, anyone else? I will. Yes, someone online? Hi, it's Hannah, can you hear me? Yes, Hannah, I can hear you. Um, so I have trouble with the word okay, um, and perhaps a good example of this is a few days ago at work, I took a phone call 
and it was a customer who was upset and he was telling me um, about a problem he had and when I got a moment to speak um, because I needed to pull up his account to actually address the problem the first thing I said was okay and then I started to ask him for his account and he jumped in no it's not okay (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) I wonder if so okay seems like um as we've kind of all discussed, a very um, um, kind of a loaded word. And I'm wondering if words like this or here would be similarly um, mm, um, or would have like a similar um, meaning or intent in the way that um, we've been using the word okay this morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure I quite understood the, the question at the end. So when I hear the word okay, much mm-hmm. like the customer, I, my mind or whatever attachment to that word I have says that it's um, 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 at, like endorsing what is happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it's not so much an endorsement, but an acceptance or realization. And if words like this or or here or something would have a similar um, uh, connotation. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Hannah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, okay could be sort of, um, you know, used uh, as a form of, of denial or kind of a put down or trying to stop someone who has a legitimate uh, uh, problem saying, okay, no, it's, it's, or it's just, it's just okay. It could be kind of misused in that way as a, as a form of, of uh, denial, but it could also, it can also be used in sort of this, uh, uh, deeper way about accepting the reality of the situation. There's a difference between accepting the reality of the situation that is and accepting and saying that situation is a good situation. There's an acceptance of reality. Everything is is okay um, in the sense that we accept that this is how things are. That's the kind of acceptance. That doesn't mean we accept that it has to be that way. That doesn't mean that we don't try to uh, change it. So, okay. Well, yeah, thank you. Maybe we'll stop there then.